Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. I'm Chris with Tan, and we welcome back Marco from the Midwest. Welcoming home from San Luigi, the Lou, St. Louis. How do they talk out there, Marco? It's good to be back. Look, St. Louis, pretty cool city. Love the barbecue there. All right. Good to hear. Yeah, man. Good you hurried back. You must have saw those uh, comments that people were having about Sam on here. (laughs) (laughs) That you turn up and there'd be an Aussie guy in your seat. I mean, I try Uh to do the Italian accent here and there, but I can't compete with that. (laughs) That's true. None of us can. Uh, The American accent only takes you so far. It's good to have you back, man. Uh, Welcome back to D.C. And happy birthday, brother. Happy birthday. That's right. Big plans. Podcasting on your birthday. That was the plan, huh? No big dinner. (laughs) 28th the year of commitment. Podcast editing on Valentine's Day and uh, in in your birthday, you are podcasting. Still broke. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Well, we're grateful to have you, man, especially on your birthday. Um, Let's jump into uh, some soccer news right off the bat. Big news today out of Italy was uh, Tavecchio um, got re-elected to being president of the Inter- uh, the Italian Federation. Um, what do you guys think about that? Uh, no seemingly strong challengers in this one, but uh, you think he deserved another one? No, I mean, look, I just think that this guy, he's got a tr- kind of a poor track record. And his, uh, his antics have kind of carried on through the league. Uh, there was big rumors about, you know, the jokes that he was making, um, you know, about about one of the black players that was on OTFR. And then, you know, a guy on OTFR makes racist comments about Rudiger, barely gets suspended. You know, one could say it's uh, two separate things, but I might argue that it's goes hand in hand. For me, it's it seems like there's a lot of new challenges to the Serie A right now, and you know, we're at a point where there's discussion about shrinking the league, but then also the league is full of, you know, really young stars that, you know, most of them are Italian. It'd been nice to see some new blood in there to distance themselves from, you know, kind of this old vision of the Serie A as a, you know, quasi-racist league with racist teams and, uh, you know, them not taking that issue seriously. And, and also just kind of the, the shrinking of the league, I would think is a really bad idea. I, I just like to see you know, some new face of the of the Italian league. It seems, you know, it's it's really Italian that like there's kind of an inside group of, of people involved in the Serie A that's and the, and the Italian Soccer Federation that are just like, yeah, let's just let's just stick with the status quo. Yeah, I would say uh, maybe you heard it here first. Uh, second career for Rudy for uh, Rudiger. Put him up there as the uh, new president of the Confederation of Italy. I oh think. man, let's let's put it out there, man. <laughs> He's got to play better then. He did have that one six slide tackle to the, the this weekend. Yeah. Um. All right. So from the Italian uh, Bel Paese to our own country here, we got MLS kicking off this past weekend, and uh, we all have some rooting interests here. Uh, my New York Red Bulls took care of business in the newly franchised uh, ATL United Atlanta. Uh, you guys United fans, you following the game at all? DC United, man. I, I've been going to their games since I was a kid. 
uh, kind of fell off a little bit in the past couple of years. But Roma's always been my my team of heart. But look, new stadium coming up. There's definitely a lot of buzz around the city. Uh, so, you know, going to be going to a couple games this season for sure. Yeah, I follow United. You know, we always try and make one big Roma club out in their season, which is always tons of fun. Um, we know one of our uh, uh, Roma Club DC members works for them, and it's a local team, man. You always got to support the local team, especially one that has rich history for the MLS. And, you know, I mean, just the, the, the drawback to going to the game is RFK is a nightmare. Um, Make you know, sure you get your tetanus before you go in there. Yeah, I mean, like the supporter section's rocking. It's definitely a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that stadium's falling apart, and it's kind of, it's kind of a pain to get to. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to the new stadium. I think I think I might become a season ticket holder then. So, Garen, hit me up. All right, good to hear. Um, I think credit where credits due. We we both we all of us walked in talking about the crowd down in Atlanta to kick off the season. Just if you watched anything on, I think it was ESPN. It's like fifty or sixty thousand people in Atlanta, Georgia, watching a soccer game. That's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, I was blown away by those images, and also like immediately ultras like people were hyped to getting weird uh you know all sorts of pyrotechnics and hey man, it's, it's all part of the soccer culture you know and these you know americans love that stuff too they just don't know it yet i mean yeah it's part of the reason why we, we do the podcast for american fans one thing about soccer is is it's almost like the sport is as, as much the fans as it is the teams and the players um, you know that the fans are always the most rowdy, though is uh, the, the close most closely connected to the teams. So it's awesome that this culture is spilling over the United States, states and even expansion teams can come in and just get it bumping. Yep, really excited to see. Uh, so hats off to uh, Atlanta United down there. From one uh, ca- sport that's catching on in the states, uh, we want to talk about an old favorite. It is March Madness, guys. The calendar has turned to March, and we got basketball coming up. And uh, we wanted to draw a little comparison. We've been doing this kind of all season for the Serie A, that uh, Serie A has not only their regular season, but their uh, tournament run going on during the season. And then they also have their like big March Badness NCAA tournament happening as well, simultaneously with Europa and Champions League, all happening at once throughout the se- season. The comparison is... Uh, for all the uh, men's basketball uh, teams out there, you got regular season. This week, we're about to jump into the conference tournaments, and then whoever wins those might get a berth into the NCAA March Madness tournament uh, nationwide. So we were kicking around, guys. Uh, all of our schools are Big Ten uh, schools, and since we're a Big Ten pod, we were going to compare Penn State, Iowa, and Maryland. Who are those teams in the Serie A? We're going to start with, uh, let's go with Marco first with Penn State. Look, don't know much about Penn State basketball, but they seem to not be able to win a lot. So <laughs> I'm not going to say Pescat. I might say Palermo. How's that? Okay. Something with alliteration. It starts with a P. <laughs> Tad, how about you, man? Well, you know, this year Iowa's been a little bit of a giant killer, so you could say Genoa in those respects. Um, but... Iowa is traditionally better than kind of Genoa on the whole. So I would say it's more of like a, a Fiorentina. Um, I'm not going to say OTFR just because I think my hair will fall out and, you know, my tongue will cut itself out of its own my <laughs> mouth. Um, so I'm going to go with like a Fiorentina. All right. Yeah. Or, or a Sampdoria. Yeah. Go with Sampdoria. Middle of the pack. That's fair. I'm going to go with, uh, for my Terps out there, I'd say they're kind of like Roma because you're always expecting more, expecting a big run, and it just doesn't tend to happen. We uh, 
we, we could always do more. So you'd like, you'd like to think that. Yep. So go Terps. Uh, excited for March Madness, guys. All right. Back to Syria. We're going to plug our own social media here real quick. We've got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Everyone can hit us up at Fabio at CurveAmerica.com. You can also find us on asroma360.com where we're collaborating. Our podcast is up on that website. And Tad, you usually have something to say at this wait, point. Wait, 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 guys. Make sure you comment and rate and uh, definitely subscribe as well. And I'd like to throw a shout out here to Rich Farino, man. That was a comment that like brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> like my dad undisowned me. Like he called me up. He's like, Tad, we should work this out. I know that you're kind of a bum of a son, but after reading how Richard Farino thinks of you and your Syria podcast, <laughs> maybe we can patch this thing up. Bought me a puppy too. It was pretty crazy. So, Rich, yeah, buddy. Appreciate the feedback as always. Yep. So keep hitting us up there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys what you think about the show. Um, I think that'll do it for our social media. We didn't get too much uh, other than uh, Rich's uh, comments this week. So. Well, we got so much that we just can't get to everybody. That's, Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, I like that. Positive spin. So let's just jump into uh, our week here, guys. Uh, starting off with what you guys are settling in and drinking this week. Yeah, I, uh, I went pretty hardcore tonight, guys. I have Canadian Club Whiskey, 12-year-old. Uh, for one, Sid from Roma Club, who is apparently obsessed with Canadian whiskey, is going to like that. But this was a gift from a dear friend and house guest of mine, one of my old tour guides from Rome, um, who is a Canadian girl named Monica, came down and visited uh, Leslie and I over the weekend, and, and we got to hang out with her. All three of us came to Marco's birthday festivities on Saturday, so... Mar- uh, Monica, thank you so much for the whiskey. It's getting drank on Curve America. You famous now, girl. All right. Thank you, Monica. All right, Marco, what do you got? I'm going with the uh, olive oil. Uh, no brand. No brand out here. Generic brand. All Made right. from scratch. So if you're an olive oil company out there, we'd love to hear from you and fix that. <laughs> uh, and I'm just, you know, I'm slowly building up my tolerance because I saw Michael Martini. That guy is Roma Club. He's trying to challenge me right now. And by the end of the season, I'm going to slug a fifth of olive oil in front of his face. <laughs> yeah, he's pouring it in his eyeballs and stuff like that, man. It's crazy. It's intense. Curve America fans are intense out there. We like it. Me, I'm sticking with the wine. Just standard vino. Uh, I, I got to get a new bottle for next week. But uh, right now, I'm just drinking a, let's call it a house red. Al <laughs> tavolo. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's jump into it. We've got week 27 action we're going to take care of. Starting with the rundown. Juventus end their 10-game win streak with a draw to Udinese. Thank you, little zebras. Roma has a nightwear week, losing two derbies. Belotti scores a hat-trick in seven minutes. Immobile has a week capped with a brace against Bologna. Inter bounces back. And as always, there's Allegri rumors continuing to swirl throughout the league. Let's jump to the top five. Up first, as always, we got Juve and Udinese. Uh, Juventus blow a chance to put the Scudetto race out of reach by dropping points to the Little Zebras. This one ended in a draw, 1-1. Tad, what do you got, man? Well, I just, I'd like to take a little second to talk about uh, Duvan Zapata. 
What you got, Tad? Zapata has had a number of great accomplishments in his life. Um, what many people don't know is he actually acted as the midwife in his own birth. Um, as a child, he used to travel town to town and managed a several year on beat and run in the Colombian Youth Underground Spelling Bee Circuit. Real, real dangerous stuff right there. A lot of broken glass involved. Um, as a teen, he overcame the curious affliction of colorblindness and created just a major buzz when he took the 2007 NYC Fashion Week by storm with his line of man bags, guilty but sexy, under his uh, fashion pseudonym Igor Von Zapp. A lot, of, a lot of achievements in this guy's life. Not bad. It's pretty well-rounded. And he's also, I think his greatest achievement up to this date was he's never he's managed to never listen to a single Justin Bieber song. So <laughs> That's just, not an achievement. Just, just getting it out there. Um, oh, you only turned 28. That's right. Um, <laughs> he's a be- believer. But be- yet none of, these, none of these achievements will match the time in week 27 of the 2016-17 Serie A season. We're at the Dacia Arena. In the 38th minute, he bodied Leonardo Bonucci like he was a fat drunk guy on a tricycle and slapped a ricochet shot that made the great uncle Gigi look like baby nephew Gigi, throwing a temper tantrum in his high chair because he was just given vanilla pudding instead of what he wanted, which was chocolate ice cream. From this moment forward, when Duvon Zapata scores, it will be known simply as the Zap. Because... Afterwards, he was so great, he got to exchange jerseys with the great fat boy G, a jersey that will surely be stretched out in the midsection <laughs> and will be unable to wear. Um, but Bonucci manages, so, so Udinese goes up 1-0, but Bonucci manages to save Juventus the shame of a yet, yet another <laughs> bottom half team road defeat by heading one home from a Dybala free kick that should have been easily cleared to, sl- to safety by a halfway decent goalie. But here we go, 1-1, and that's the game. Nice. Yeah, um, it's kind of surprised at this one. Uh, it's just Juve usually takes care of business in these games, but uh, um, well, good for are, the league, or uh, what do you guys think on this? You're surprised? Roma dropped points. So by default, that means Juve's going to so, drop points So that too. means that, yeah, by default, either Juve will tie or, or drop points just to rub the salt into the wounds. Like, yeah, yeah could have gotten closer. For me, though, it's interesting. This is the first time that they've dropped points since they switched to that 4-2-3-1 formation. So they had it rocking out there. They've just been cutting through the league super nice. Um, and this one, Udinese just manages to, to, to you know hold it up against them despite Juventus having a 65-35 possession. So, again, 10 straight wins for Juventus. They always throw out a stinker every once in a while. But 10 straight wins usually means that you're still 7 points up. In first place, yeah, you got a big winner here has got to be Napoli because they ended up winning and uh, are starting to get their dominate dominance back. Big winner here is also Bonucci. After all that stuff going on, he gets his head on a on a DiBala cross and 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 gets his goal. I mean, this guy, right? He all these all these rumors. Of, oh, is he gonna stay? Is he gonna go? I think it's up to him if he stays or goes, huh? Yeah, I mean, he had the quote this week that said if he wanted to stay, he'd have left. Um, in uh, uh, in the summer, and he had a very Italian thing. He had very many important offers, probably one from Chelsea. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but you know, him coming out and saying this, you know, is this Bonucci trying to squash the beef with Allegri, or is this just this way of saying he's not leaving Juventus? I don't know, man. I uh, anything can happen. We'll see what t- what sorts of money get tossed around. It also depends on whether they, uh, how they, how well they do in Champions League. You know, um, 
in fact, I think that if they were to win Champions League, he would be out. And if they got close, he would stay. I think that he really wants to win Champions League with Juve. I don't know. My thing with this is, is Juventus, it would be in their best interest to sell Benucci for like $60 million in summer because he's going to be turning 30 next season. And what we saw with the January transfer window is that Juventus has just reloaded in the back with young star Italian defenders. And, you know, I mean, what what's what's the ROI on Benucci? I mean, you're really going to turn down that amount of money for a guy who, you know, yeah, could end up playing at a quality level for the next five years. But, I mean, that, that kind of money I think you just have to sell regardless if you win Champions League or not. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, guys. So, yeah, we're uh, talking about Benucci a lot. And whatever Allegri ends up doing this, this summer will certainly be a factor in, in uh, his decisions. But... There's a lot of rumors going around whether Allegri is going to actually go to EPL. What have you heard on that? Well, I mean, the big news this week is Neil Fissler uh, of the Express, uh, who always seems to be these that quote unquote publication is is dropping all sorts of uh, of transfer bombs and, and whatnot. Neil Fissler, the Whistler. Yeah. Yeah. What a nickname. All right. But uh, uh, apparently, he's verbally agreed to replace Arsene Wenger. And he's even telling his friends that he's going to Arsenal for sure. Um, you know, citing things that like he wants to go to the EPL, but also Juventus might want him out because he's had a lot of rows with the top senior, you know, older players on the Juventus team. Um, even though that the Juventus general manager came out this week and says they really like Allegri and they want to keep him. Um, you know, at this point, guys, what do you think? Let's see what happens in Champions League. I mean, we all know that that's the main goal. Um, but again, we've said it a couple weeks ago. You know, these days, EPL's got a ton of money and people are loving their Italian coaches. So I think there's a good chance that Allegri goes there anyways. And maybe some other coach in, in Serie A gets their chance at the helm of, of Juventus. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's, it's probably highly likely that that Allegri's out by the end of the season. Um, but again, let's see what happens. You know, it just depends who shifts around, who gets fired from which team. I think if Wagner's out, then Allegri's probably going to well, Enrique's about to be free as well. Yeah. You both probably. know you both know my feelings on the never ending transfer window and if now we're just doing it for coaches now. It's just uh you you wish for something concrete. But uh I just find it fascinating with Juve. They they just don't seem to be able to hold on coaches and We've said this before, this this recent thing with Benucci, it's the third time we've had to deal with something like that with uh, a coach at the helm of, of Juve who seemingly doesn't get along with the, the, the bigger players and, and uh, there's just disruption there. So I don't know, as far as Serie A is concerned, uh, I don't think that's good for Juve. Um, they just seem to be a jump-off spot to moving up to somewhere in EPL. Well, the other big thing, big coaching rumor that we were talking about earlier this season, guys, was Diego Simeone coming to Inter because there was all that strife, um, you know, them, them firing their coach and bringing in Pioli, who didn't seem like a permanent replacement. But that's all been squashed with, you know, the way that Pioli's been performing and Simeone seems like he's not leaving or if he's leaving, he's not coming to the Serie A. You know, and so what we were saying with that was, if there's all of this talk, there has to be some amount of truth to it. But I would say the difference with this one is, it is a lot of direct questioning has been brought to Allegri, and he's being kind of coy about it. So I would say that 
whether or not he goes is is not really what's important here. I, I think he's interested in leaving. So that they have to see how things play out. And I think that if the Arsenal job opens up, then and they offer it to him, I think he's going. So there's still a lot of things that could be left to happen, but I think that he's definitely interested and he wants to be there. Yep. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about that again next next week as well. Let's keep rolling on to the second game, the game of the week. Two versus three, Roma Napoli. This one finishes two one in the in Napoli's favor. Hard fought match played in a half empty Stadio Olimpico. In the end, Drace Mertens puts on a clinic in finishing. Where do we start with this one, guys? Just a bummer. It's a bummer week for Roma. I mean, you had a bad feeling about this game as a Roma fan, you know? Lupi come off a two nothing loss to to OTFR in Coppa Italia, and they just really looked flat that game. It's never good to come into a game of this magnitude with the pressure of the fans, and honestly, they just they just did it to themselves. You saw that game, right, Ted? Yeah, I, with the entire way Roma played this week is what is so infuriating about being a Roma fan. Um, and that this team in general is, is they were flying about as high as they've been flying in the past five seasons. They were thrashing teams. They were looking extremely clinical. You know, we were talking about how elite their squad is, the depth that they had. And this week, they just forgot how to play Roma-style soccer. They just balls in the air, not keeping control, turning over possession, bad decision-making. I, I got to take my medicine on this one that I... Was feeling just riding high, riding the momentum. I was expecting a three nothing win in this game, and I thought we were going to beat OTFR as well. So just it's a game of momentum, and boy, did we lose it last week. Yeah, but a loss happens, you know, to Napoli. Uh, Drace Mertens is having a hell of a season. Napoli's having a hell of a season, you know. But again, the first half from Roma's not good enough. They're coming out flat at home, kind of half empty stadium. Don't know what the hell's going on there, man. Because I'm watching. Atalanta play, you know, to a full stadium. Cagliari's got a full stadium with Inter in town. I mean, Roma, come on. I mean, I just, at a certain point, we are, us as fans have to be accountable as well. And that should have been, you know, the Champions League final atmosphere. 26 minutes into the match, Mari Kamsik slips a free-ranging Drace Mertens as he coolly chips Chesney to put Napoli up one ahead. And uh, look, he was riding the offsides line all day. This time it paid off. Merton's wide open and just a beautiful finish. Like like we said, I mean, this guy's just just hot. And in the 50th minute, Insigne drops an absolute dime and he finishes again. Roma, you know, at that point decide, hey, we've been the better team this season. We actually need to get something out of this game. Oh yeah. Title on the line, right? I mean, basically, that's what it is. Yeah, driving to watch this game, I said to Chris in the car that, you know, it's been a while since Drace Mertens has had a multiple goal game. And I just had this feeling that, um, you know, we weren't going to be able to stop him because he's been in such great form. You know, we, we have the tall, rangy defenders, but he always seems to be the kind of guy that is able to, to slip through you know, slot one and just the passing of the midfield with Insigne and Hamsik, it's just it's just too much. And, you know, when when Napoli's in form, they can carve you up. And these three showed why we were riding so high on Napoli pre the Real Madrid game. Definitely. Yeah. So look, 
as soon as that happens, looks like Roma all of a sudden goes full on attack mode, and but Napoli is absolutely thrashing. Reyna becomes Jesus Christ reincarnated without hair. <laughs> Makes some absolutely insane saves in the end of the game. First against a straight Perotti curler, upper 90. Then a second one off a, a deflected Perotti shot, which is going the opposite, upper 90. Gets it, then he kicks it away. He he celebrates like it's the freaking World Cup. I mean, you know, Strootman is able to pull one back in the 89th. But at that point, Salah misses a couple. It's just too late. You know, five more minutes, I think Roma could have saved the, the result. But... Look, had it not been for Juve dropping points and their tough remaining schedule, I would have actually said that this season is done and dusted. Roma just had a bad week. And, you know, at this point, they need to look forward. They need to get that result in Lyon. And they need to do well in the second Coppa Italia game. Aim for Europa because eight points is hard to uh, to gain on, on Juventus. Now, what I say is... You know, notwithstanding the OTFR game, which I guess we'll talk about when we get into the Europa thing, um, but you know, commentators curse. Roma was unlucky in this game. There were some goals they could have had that would have changed the whole makeup and uh, and direction of the game. But commentators curse. I you know, last week I said that Roma had the most informed in midfield in Italy right now, and their midfield has really struggled this past week. They did not look good against OTFR, and they did not look again this week. A lot of, you know, talk that maybe they're tired. Um, you know, Spalletti came out and said, no, we're probably going to have them running around with 50-pound sacks of potatoes on their back because apparently that Roma plays in the Irish League now. But, I mean, it, you, can't, you can't chalk it up to that. It's just It was just inefficient, sloppy play. So I'm curious about that because Roma's not the only top – Top three, top four team that's uh, got Europa Champions League going on as well. Are you, so, Tad, you're not buying into it. Marco, how about you for just, it's we're tired. There's, we're not deep enough. We don't have enough players right now. I, I'll start so I don't put you on the spot right now. My favorite player this season is Nangalon, and he is a beast. Running, He's a box-to-box midfielder. He doesn't look exhausted out there. He's playing with just pure class and and... You know, he's probably running the most out of the Roma uh, players. I'm not buying the fact that, well, we're just tired. You know, that that can't be an excuse when we have players like that and there are other teams competing in three tournaments at once. Absolutely not. And our team is kind of built for, for tournament play. I mean, we have uh, subs for the wings, for the side backs. I mean, yeah, like we don't have a lot of rotation out of the, the center backs, but Juan Jesus gets in one game, you know, like... Uh, you have Vermeulen popping in there every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, and center backs can play every game. No, but look, I don't think that we don't have the depth. I just think that we shut off, and it's always been a question of mentality. For whatever reason, I think that Roma thought that this Coppa Italia game was not that big of a deal, and they maybe were doing it to kind of get in the heads of uh, OTFR, that that's the only thing they really have to play for at this point. But it came back to bite them in the butt because... Now they're got their backs up against the wall. They lost to Napoli. The the you know the Serie A titles probably out of reach, and as long they can't fall behind against Lyon because then it's like hell week, you know, and it's the it's crazy, man. Yeah, and we also need to remember that you know going along this tired thing, which I, again I don't buy, is they it's not like they played like Pescara and Empoli back to back. 
They played an OTFR team that's always going to be super fired up against Roma, especially in a cup game. They always play hard in those. Um, and they've been known to beat better Roma sides in games just like that. And against Napoli, who face it with their passing and technical ability, they can make any team look tired if they're in form. So it, it, it's just a little unlucky for them. But where their strengths were, which I thought was the midfield and defense this past week, were really lacking. Let's uh, turn to Napoli, guys. Uh, so th- they must have been happy this week. Uh, they they uh, dropped three points uh, to Atlanta, Atalanta last week, but they bounced back. Uh, they got Champions League this week. How do you think they're feeling after this win? They needed this win because, you know, it's improbable that they're going to advance with Real Madrid. And so, you know, imagine in the span of a week and a half, losing to Roma, big gap opening up. That would have been, I think, seven or eight points between them and Roma if Roma would have won. Losing to Atalanta, 10 men, and, you know, then probably bowing out of Champions League. Speaking of which, though, I, you know, look, Millet comes off the bench this game, and Mertens has been scoring at will this year, right? When he's playing in kind of that free-ranging forward position. My question is, against Real Madrid, how should they come out? Because I'm of the mind that against Real Madrid, you you need to have dynamic attack. So, you know, you get your point man up there. Then you're like your you're sneaky players, your Cajon, Insigne. You just got to throw the kitchen sink at them. Uh, me, personally, I'm thinking Milik should probably start. But, you know, again, Mertens has been scoring when what he's What about two up top? And you could do two up top, but you know, this, again, is that is that the best formation when they have the two wingers and then Mati Kamsik right under them? You know, I guess they could completely front load this thing. Well, what what's what's the aggregate? Is it two one? Three one. It's three one. So it's there's no reason to be conservative in the first half. No, just go. So if it was if it was two to one, you might think like, hey. If we get a home goal, um, you know, if we're able to take a lead in the first half, then maybe then let's just put the pedal to the metal the second, go for broke. But I think 3-1, I mean, you have to be scoring a lot of goals. So, I mean, it's really tough to say who you would sub off considering who knows what Milik's, you know, fitness is right now. But before he got injured, he was, you know, he was going gangbusters. You have to start uh, uh, Jorginho. You have to start Koulibaly, some more dynamic players that can push the ball forward in the back. And also, I mean, I got to say, guys, they could be really using Gabbiadini at a, at a moment like this. We talked a lot before, you know, in the January transfer window about the future of Gabbiadini. I was big that it was a huge mistake. You were that right. They, they got rid of him, and he's been ripping it up in the Premier League. Six goals in four games. A game like Real Madrid, they could use a big, powerful, shifty, left-footed striker. Yeah, I got to agree, you know. Sometimes it's it's about mentality. It's about being in form, and it looks like he's found his form in Southampton. Looking looking like one of the best strikers in the Prem, but we'll see. Sometimes people are on hot streaks and then they disappear. Um, you know, we'll see where where Gabbiadini ends at the set, end of the season here. Last thing we got to mention because we talked about it on social media: Trace Mertens, the new goal celebration, walking around on all fours like a dog, and then lifting his uh, back leg. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, apparently he put this picture up on Instagram where he's like dedicated it to his dog Juliet. That's a that's a hella weird dedication. Like of all the things, I guess you know if he would have ran up to one of his teammates and started licking his face, uh, that might have been a little bit weirder. 
But uh, yeah, kind of kind of an odd gold celebration. Potentially the new dab, guys. We'll see where this goes. Same, that's how you get the the other team pissed. Yes. Get it? Yeah. But, huh. sh- see see what the really, birthday boy did there. Really good guess. <laughs> Twenty eight years old, getting sharper by the minute. I guess one more thing about Napoli and this guy's that I want to get out of the way is, you know, you think about last week, man. We we we're ready to bury them. They're going into the second league, uh, second leg against Real. Out. They get. They're out of the Copa Italia. They got thrashed by Juventus, and they're going into this thing where you know if they would have lost this game and Atalanta would have won, they would have changed places and they would be out of Champions League as well. So I think that Napoli, Napoli is in a little bit of desperation mode, fighting for their lives. All right, yeah, let's let's talk about Atalanta. We got uh, next game up is Atalanta and Fiorentina. This game finished 0-0, but it was a good game. Fiorentina slowed down a steamrolling Atalanta in front of an electric Atalanta crowd. Marco, what do you got? Guys, Atalanta hasn't lost in seven games, and they're looking for their fifth win in a row, largely in part of to uh, Papu Gomez's play. Papu! He's got another man of the match performance this game. You know, he took so many shots, four shots, looking very dangerous, but he would have gotten it if it hadn't been for Tata Rusano on Fiorentina's side. This man, unreal, four <coughs> huge saves, including a ridiculous close range save against Petagna in the second half. I mean, guys, this game ended 0 0, but it could have very easily have been, you know, 2 3 nothing Atalanta. Even though Fiorentina had their chances. I mean, you know, it looked like some of the guys had some bumps on their heads when they were heading the ball going all over the place. Um, But look, Atalanta beats Napoli with 10 men the week before. You would have really expected them to carry the momentum in this game, put Fiorentina away. You know, they're at home. The crowd is bumping. It's good weather. Uh, You know, they had a 10-point gap on Fiorentina. They still do. They're the better team. Um, just unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. And now they're kind of fighting with OTFR to get that fourth place. Yeah, I yeah. watched this game live, uh, or sorry, on the replay and BN. And just Atalanta, first of all, to Bergamo. Well done. The crowd was electric. Uh, really, really great crowd. But uh, they they definitely had the majority of the chances. So uh, credit to them. Uh, unfortunately, I'm shocked this game ended 0-0. Well, I mean... Marco said it before, Tats was the man of the game. And like every fourth or fifth game, he comes out, which is a heck of a performance that, you know, is able to keep his team in it. Uh, you know, Atalanta playing without Frank Kessie this this week because um, of that double yellow he picked up last. For, he was the guy that went down for their 10-men victory. But, you know, Froiler is no slouch behind him. Nope. Um, so, you know, it's just sometimes, it, just like hockey, you know, if your goalie's super hot, you're able to stay in a game. Guys, the, the big thing that comes out of this game, you know, again, not a lot of excitement with a 0-0, but, you know, you see the, these two teams. You see Bernadeschi, Chiesa, and Kalinic on, on Fiorentina. You see Gomez. Kessie wasn't playing this game. But, you know, the question now is, what would have to happen at the end of the season, you know, from now till the end of the season for these teams to retain their stars, or is, it, is uh, resistance futile here? Uh, are they all gone? Money's hard to resist uh, for the player's perspective, I guess. But if you're playing in Europa, like if Atalanta's eyeing that, or maybe even Champions League, they got they're going to make a run here. Um, you know, that's that. I think that persuades a player to pl- us to stay. Uh, so that's a big telling factor. 
Yeah, I mean, Atalanta, the biggest thing they could do is make Champions League. But even then, like when Udinese and Sampdoria made Champions League, they got straight up pillaged. I really don't see any way of them keeping their, their top players. Like Gomez, possibly, because he's 28 and they might not people might not pony, pony up the dough for him. But Kessie, you know, is 20 years old. Um, you know, and the EPL teams are going to have a ton of money to spend. The only way he would stay is if, you know, they, if, if Atalanta gets low ball offers, but in the separate transfer window, that is absolutely not going to happen. Conti's probably gone. Patania might, might stay. Now on the Fiorentina side, I mean, Bernadeschi, somebody's going to kick out a bunch of money from him, for him. Was he 24, 25? He's coming into his prime. You know, it's, 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 it's the moment for Fiorentina to cash in. And there's no way they're going to keep him because there's no way that they're going to stay in Europa. Chiesa is an interesting one, though, because Chiesa, I can see Fiorentina being like, look, we could sell him for 25 million this summer or we could hold on to him for a year or two and sell him for like 50, 60 million. So perhaps he stays, you know, a a team might want to a big team might want to give him a little bit more maturity. But it's really just comes down to money at this point if anybody's going to stay. Yeah, Ted, I think you nailed it before. Uh, Atalanta, they're in fifth, in fourth right now with 52 points, but just a few different changes in the games. If Roma takes care of Napoli and Atalanta wins this game, they're right there in third, uh, which is just really impressive and uh, it's very telling of the table, I think, for, for where they are. And Fiorentina down there in uh, eighth place, they've got 42 points. Yeah, they're out. Yeah. They're, I think they're eight points away. So, uh, Atalanta, the exciting, continue to be the Cinderella of the league. Um, let's see how high they can go this, uh, this season. Let's keep rolling on, guys. we got OTFR up next with uh, playing Bologna. This one finishes 2-0. OTFR off a moral-boosting midweek Coppa Italia Derby win against Roma. Come into Bologna and grab a quick three points to go. Chiri Mobley moves up the goal-scoring charts with a brace. Yes. Brace. 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 Look at that. Whittle Richard is just the spirit animal of this podcast so much. He's even getting into Chris's soul. God bless him. Yeah, guys. Uh, look, really, before the game even started, you knew that OTFR was going to grab this win. OTFR came into the game unbeaten in six while Bologna came in winless in six Ish. and Bologna man they must be uh, eating up that Bolognese too much not doing good job stats favor OTFR in pretty much all categories ninth minute header and in the 74th minute slotted through you know kind of a ch- low chip Chiri Mobile gets his brace this game guys this man is a freaking poacher and he is just always on the line hunting OTFR just very direct. But they make some errors here and there. They're always kind of like, you know, not the best team, but they have Felipe Anderson, Keita, uh, Savic, and, uh, you know, Immobile, who are just, you know, pace and power and Immobile, man. He's, he's up in the scoring charts right now. Yeah, I mean, I asked the question last pod when you were in St. Louis, where the gunplay rang all day. Um, you know, that Immobile in the second half of the season really has not scored against the big teams, but he's still what has 16 goals, probably over 20 in all competitions right now. You know, questioning, hey, is he one of the top strikers in the league? And of course he is. I mean, Sam said it right last week that you can only play the teams they put in front of you. I think the results speak for themselves. Um, and I think, you know, he's just he's just a quick, strong, powerful player. 
Absolutely. OTFR turning on the burners at the right time of the season. I mean, we got 11 games left, and they are leading the pack in the 14 battle for fourth and fifth. And uh, look, Bologna, as much as I love that city and their fresh Macron kits, I have to say that Bologna has really been one of the biggest disappointments of this season. They have completely underperformed. The fact that Destro is their main dude kind of pisses me off. And really, it makes it tough to cheer for the squad. Guys, they're 13 points clear of the danger zone. But barring a complete meltdown, I think they're going to end up, you know, seeing another season in the top division. And, you know, I lived there for four years, so I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I get to see another season with uh, Bologna, hopefully, next one. Yeah, they've completely run out of ideas this year. Um, they're just kind of phoning it in, and you said it. Thankfully for them, the bottom three teams um, are just so lowly. Hot garbage. Just, just, a, just a dumpster fire that hot garbage spontaneously combusted in um you know yeah they 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 they, all they have to do is hold on and i think that that's a pretty easy thing to do 13 points clear and just gotta chill guys only 11 games left in the season it's it's over before we know it um all right so yeah we've got otfr there they're in fifth place with 50 points and lowly bologna's in 15th with 28 That'll do it for the top five. We're going to take a quick break and jump into the middle of the pack. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Sumner Furniture. Sumner Furniture are office furniture experts based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. They provide high-quality new and used office furniture for all-size jobs, ranging from just one chair to million-square-foot offices. Sumner provides space designs, commercial moves, delivery and installation for projects nationwide. Check out their website, SumnerFurniture.com, or their eBay store. Contact them and mention Curve America for an additional 10% off any new or used office chair. Up first in the middle of the pack, we got Milan and Kievo. This one finished 3-1. Milan stay in the hunt for Europe and above Crosstown rivals Inter with a win over the Flying Donkeys of Kievo in this one. This one finished 3-1, Milan's favor. Yeah, the Donks, which is what I'm going to call them now for the, the rest donk, of the season. Yeah, man, first, first. All up in your face. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the badonkadonkadonk. Um, will they win? No, they won't, won't, won't. Uh, yeah, the Donks just didn't come ready to play, and Baca, back in action, man, is just is just right back in form. Come out leading a Milan team that was in full attack mode, guys. This game was wild. It was full of all the classic hilarious, hilarious Serie A gaffes you come to love. Um, the scoring opens up with Baca and Summergirl. They play a little one-two game, and uh, you know just slice through a donk defense that's staring at them. Baca basically dribbles the entire Kievo back line, slots one near post 1-0, and boom. A free play Baca goal that didn't go in off his head, and that was his 10th of the season. I mean, for a guy that just the middle of the season completely disappeared with all the trade, with all the, the, the sale rumors, 10 goals. I mean, in, in so short appearances. Um, and Baca is back. <laughs> Baca is back. Back is Baca. Baca... Almost has a first half break, but Radovanovic does the opposite of his just previous week biftastic defensive performance and does a good old fashioned clearance off the line. 
Um, the donks get their dive juices flowing when Gakpi somehow manages to convince ref Fabio Maresca that Shilio threw a bow. I mean, this this was right in front of the ref, and the the, the ball is in the air. Gapke just goes down, and Maresca points the line. We got a PK. Guzman comes in, converts a PK, and we're all treated to Guzman's drunken toddler goal celebration dance. And we got 1-1 at half. Milan and the Donks. But early in the second, we're all about that drama life when Cesar is called for a handball after flinching at a Locatelli rocket. I don't know what he was supposed to do. Locatelli absolutely just takes these rip shots. He kind of jumps out of the way, hits his arm, gets a yellow, and we have our second PK of the game. But Baca, in what I can only imagine is a miss where just before Baca made contact with the ball, he had this extremely vivid flashback of when he was eight and he walked into his parents' bedrooms and caught him bumping uglies. Just, you know, shanks it right, skies like 100 feet over the bar. And just it's just a shameful, shameful PK. But Baca finally breaks the tie off a corner where he slides, uh, slide tackles a goal in off of a Romagnoli header. And then, guys, in the worst call of the season so far, Ocampus tries to shoot in the box and trips over himself when he divots his big old clown shoe in the turf and gets awarded a PK. No one near him. No one touched him and has followed up with maybe the most poorly defended PK in history. Lot Badula, who's you know been back off injury, kicks it right at the body of a diving Sorrentino who manages to let it trickle in against his old broken body. I would love to just staple Ocampos' ears back to his head. <laughs> just when you think the gaffs can't get any worse, we are treated to a nightcap. You know, it's fine and as smooth as black velvet whiskey when Cacciatore has the ball at his feet within five, in the five-yard box and be, no one between him and the goal, and he manages to hit it off the crossbar. The worst thing is this, the sh- about the shot is the fact that he managed to miss this uh, just total sitter while wearing a mustache on his face. A mustache gaff. Carl Weathers and Tom Selleck were both said to have fallen down flights of stairs at the exact moment and have since petitioned the Mustache Hall of Fame to censor Mr. Cacciatore for performing so poorly while the sacred Harry graced his upper lip. The punishment for this is, for the next week, the Sanchez family will be granted a reprieve on all pervy or nasty stashes, and for this day, for seven days forward, a gross mustache will be called a dirty Cacciatore. So shame on you, sir. You know, guys, it's an extremely exciting game of gaffs, San Siro. You know, it's complete with goal line clearances, PKs, handballs, dives in the box, high-speed open play uh, open play passing, poorly defended PKs, and horrible and unfathomable misses, misses while having a mustache. Baca should add four goals. Yeah, but. you said it, man. Baca, like, he's back. Could have had even more. Um, I mean, he's hungry right now. I think that we'll, you know, we'll be looking to Baca scoring a little bit more in the rest of the season because you know how they work. Once they start getting hot, they start scoring some goals. Back is Baca. So Baca's back. Milan has Juve next week. What do you guys think? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I know Juventus is hungry for this game. Uh, just seeing some of the followers uh, on, online and social media just between uh, Supercopa Italia and the beginning of the season. They want this game real bad, but Juventus just dropped one with the draw, and Milan seems to be cruising along here, so I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I really think Juve's going to squeak this one out, but 
it's going to be a good game. Yeah, it's going to be tough for, for Milan to pull out a win or a tie, you know, in Juventus. I, I was going to say if it was in Milan, maybe a tie. Um, but Juve is too strong at home. Uh, unfortunately, I think Milan just doesn't have the experience yet. Um, and then Juve, you know. Yep. Well, we're looking forward to that one for sure. I I mean, it's, it's interesting. And Juventus is just almost unbeatable at home. The tie is interesting to me because Romagnoli is back. And you have Donnarumma that's totally in form. I don't really think that you've, Milan has the creativity, even with Baca, to score more goals than Juventus. But they might have the defense to keep Juventus from scoring more goals than them. So I'm going to go tie 1-1. Back-to-back Juventus time. Hot take. All right. So, yeah, let's check out the table. we got Milan in with uh, sixth place with uh, 50 points. They're just above Crosstown Rivals Inter, who have 48. And we got Kievo, strong middle-of-the-pack team, 11th place with 35 points. All right, up next we've got the other Milan team, Inter, playing Cagliari. This one finished with Inter just dominating this game 5-1. The entire Inter team looks like the all-stars against an outmatched Cagliari side. Ted, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, Inter bounces back from a humiliating defeat in this game. Um, you know, they, they've been on a hot streak, but you think that maybe they're going to, you know, go down after Roma, just smokes them in the, in the San Siro. Um, and Calgary is a team that can catch a team and, and draw them uh, or beat them after, you know, they've been a little bit demoralized. But this game just starts off in Inter's favor. Marco's favorite bulldog, Medell, has a goal line clearance right at the beginning of this game. So two goal line clearances this week in the Serie A. And then the only thing that really goes calories Ray for the rest of the game is after Inter already has two goals, Borriello manages to knock one in. But this game ends up 5-1 with just Inter scoring at will from all different types of, uh, of scoring chances. Would, who else would score, though, for Cagliari, you know? Uh, I guess Sao, but Burialo, maybe man, he's got to make his he's got to make his appearance so that you know on the weekend he can brag about a little bit at the bar. La Vita del Bomber. Yeah, I mean Perisic scores a brace. He has a Benega who is just off the hook. This game drops one right on him. He scores. Benega scores a beautiful free kick. Icardi does an Icardi striker move where he draws his own foul and then converts his own PK. And Gagliardini scores his first goal in Inter uniform, has a beautiful, you know, one-tap uh, knock-in. And we have multiple players, guys, in this game um, that had just a just a wonderful game for Inter. I mean, it's a shooting gallery. 24-8 in shots for Inter. It's, it's their game all the way. I like the 4-3-2-1 that they're using. Uh, but this is just a massively lopsided victory. You got huge games from Icardi, Perisic, Panega, Candreva, Cagliardini, Condogbia. I mean, guys, just a solid overall performance in a stadium, by the way, that was popping. Yeah. And Inter won their way after losing at home against Roma. You know, they get creative passes from the guys they paid money to come in and give creative passes from in Panega and Candreva. They get clever runs from the guys who they pay to have clever runs, Perisic and Icardi. And just Gali Redini and Kongdobia, in this formation, guys, as those, as shielding the back line, are really tough roadblocks. So what do you guys think Inter have to do to beat Atalanta next week? 
Look, uh, you know, they got to ride this wave. Uh, I, I, I like that they're at home. So uh, it's going to be really tough for Atalanta to roll up, you know, and uh, enter right now just w- with, uh, with the wind in their sails. I think they're going to they're gonna be looking to uh, leapfrog Atalanta with this win. Careful, the podcaster's curse here, but uh, Atalanta took care of Napoli. Should be able to take care of Inter because uh, they're a serious team this year. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 Atalanta. What you got, Tad? Guys, I'm about to, with the way these two teams are playing, barring Atalanta's performance this past week against Fiorentina, Fiorentina has the ability to infuriate teams and have the 0-0 result. But these two teams are playing high-flying, very exciting soccer right now. It's going to be fun to see if Atalanta can put together the attack um, while being able to hold up in the back against an inter team that, guys, if you look at it, is just completely star-studded at this point. Um, you know, Inter is only losing to the top two teams in the league right now. So I'm going to say that they got, they got the, the shade on this one. Atalanta would have to play a near perfect game. I'm going to say two, one inter. All right. So we've got inter strong middle of the pack team with 48 points in seventh place. Cagliari, my favorite word down there in 12th place with 31 moving on guys. Up next is Sampdoria and Pescara. The Dolphins. This one finishes 3-1 in Sampdoria's favor. The Dolphins. I Delfini go belly up after a strong performance from Bruno Fernandes and a Sampdoria team desperate for some points. Yeah, guys. Sampdoria will be breathing a sigh of relief after dropping points against Cagliari in Palermo two weeks in a row. <laughs> and they really take it to the Dolphins here. Bruno Fernandes starts his man-of-the-match performance with a goal in the 18th minute. But it's canceled out by Big Alberto... Um, I'm maybe Albie the Giant. Let's call him that. All right. He scores in 32nd minute. This guy is 20 years old. Big dude. Yeah, he looks like, going back to the March Madness or the Big Ten tournament, he looks like he plays power forward in the yeah. Big Ten for Penn State or Iowa. Albie the Giant? You guys like that? Yeah, Albie the Giant's kid. In the second half, Fernandez turns provider when he dishes dimes out to quag, 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 quags. And the Razorman Schick... Game's over in the 68th minute. Young shit, guys. He's a super sub. Whenever he comes in, he, you know, we've seen it countless times, even against Roma, he gets the job done. Yeah, he's got genius ankles. And uh, after pumping five goals on Zeman's debut, the Dolphins have since conceded five and only scored once. Typical Zemanlandia stuff, scoring and conceding at will. Uh, scoring and conceding at will. We can attest to this being Roma fans. Um, you know, Viviano had a couple good saves. Bizarri made one more, but still conceded three. This game had no big implications, guys. Not much to talk about. Pescara, chum of the chum. <laughs> Can Dolphins still at the bottom. But it's sad, you know, because they could have really made some ground up on these last two weeks that they would have, uh, you know, ridden that wave from that 5-0 thrashing. But... Here they are. Well, it'd be interesting to watch how Zeman finishes out the season because, like you said, man, the one Zeman, his style of play, one week they'll crush somebody, and the next two weeks they'll get smoked by somebody else. And, you know, Pescara, 
is a team that just is going to get crucified because they don't have the talent, especially if they're playing Zemin's style. So he's Zemin's going to be Zemin. We could see maybe a couple upsets from them, but we could be watching a lot of just big numbers being hung on Pescara for the rest of the season. Yeah, we got Pescara down in the very bottom of the basement. They've only got 12 points in 20th place. They are four points away of getting out of the danger zone, which is frankly pretty sad for the Serie A. But um, Pescara's down there, and we got Sampdoria up in the middle of the pack. They're in ninth place with 38 points. Up next, we've got Genoa and Empoli. This one finished 2-0. Genoa scored two in the closing minutes in front of huge crowd. 6,500 spectators in Empoli that were most likely already asleep by the end of the game. Yeah, this was a game that featured just 88 minutes of pathetic attempts to score. Um, you know, kind of looked like a high school game, including a few wet noodle head hanger strikes by Penila, a sky ball by Big Mac that was just puzzling as his enormous hand band. Did you guys see that? He just, his whole hand was wrapped up. It, it looked like he had a, like a, just a white claw. Um and a header missed by Pania that, I mean, he was about as lone in the field as Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music. <laughs> but Nietzsche saved us the hassle of reporting on a 0-0 game that was as unsatisfying as a 50-wipe dump and knocks in a rebound with a kick that looked like a 12-year-old spaz in a strip mall taekwondo clask. You know, to mask the shame of a kick that looked like a pirouetting ballerina getting struck by lightning. Um, Nietzsche shows us all those gymnastic classes really paid off with a sweet cartwheel backflip combo. A mesmerized. Uh, in case anyone was waiting for that far from patented last minute Empoli equalizer, all speculation of the game's outcome was put to bed when we were all treated to Maurizio. If you can't score, assist Penila through ball that was converted by Hiljamar. Hiljamar. Thus allowing me to sleep soundly one more night, knowing that Pania may not may have another year of professional soccer in him, delaying the inevitable post-soccer career as a desk at a roadside adult bookstore because he got way too many tattoos in his 20s. Yeah, he's going to be nasty when that skin starts sagging. I mean, both teams just really struggled to score. I mean, even with 65% possession, Empoli managed only two shots on target. Only one of these is a real threat. Al Kaduri had a nice whipping free kick, but Croce just straight up whiffed the header. I mean, 2-0 right at the end. It just looks like Empoli, you know, they, they farted and fell over and died, and you get two Genoa goals. Say la vie. Still love Empoli's pink uh, away kits. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the only thing you can really look forward to Genoa this season is maybe Simeone has a game where he goes off. Yep, and beats one of the Giants. So we got Genoa in 16th place playing the 17th team, Empoli. 26 points for Genoa on the season. Empoli with 22. They are right above the danger zone. Not an impressive game, but we roll on to the danger zone. The danger zone. Richard went all right. Let's start in the danger zone with Palermo. They take on Torino and lose. This one finishes 3-1 with Belotti, adding to his superstar status with a hat-trick in seven minutes. Seven minutes, guys. What do you got? I'll start off with one thing about Palermo. Palermo scored first. Their captain, Rispoli, scored a really nice goal from outside the box. Palermo goes up 1-0. 
But after that, guys, the straight game is straight up all Belotti. He was all over the place. He had a hat trick in seven minutes, which included two headers and just a beautiful volley off a free kick. He should have had two assists, could have had two more goals, but unfortunately his, you know, his team just really isn't that good. Um, and he just, he had a, a carrying his team to victory performance. No one else had a good game. I mean, albeit it was against Palermo, but, you know, for a superstar, a budding superstar of Belotti's caliber, he came in and proved that he could be the man. He is the man. I mean, he's just absolutely electric right now. He's big, strong, fast, technical. And, you know, even that last half volley that he, you know, he showed his dexterity. Very impressive guy. I'm not surprised to see, you know, every week this the president saying that he's worth even more. Yeah, and his work rate is incredible. You know, he's he tries to be all over the place. He you know, he challenges people, he tackles people, he tries to dribble, um, and you know, he successfully dribbles. I mean, you know, this guy's just the face of the Italian soccer, and right now they say that his value is up to 130 million. I mean, what do you guys think of that? More than Messi? <laughs> yeah, that's a little aggressive. Uh, I'm not going that high, but he's scoring goals, man. Credit to him. I'm going to take a, my shot of olive oil. It's been waiting here. I've been looking for the right moment. So uh, this is to you, Gallo. Oh, no, wait. There you go. There's your rooster. What, what was that? Was that a pterodactyl? <laughs> Oh, there you go. All right. I keep hoping for the no call. <laughs> well done, Marco. I mean, is, is Belotti the <sighs> the number one on the Azzurri? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys see this game, Diego Lopez, though, because, you know, we were talking about Palermo last week where Zamprini uh, has brought Pastore, uh, Dybala, and likes the league. We forgot to mention that Belotti used to play for Palermo. But Diego Lopez says in this game he'd rather have Nestorovsky over Belotti. I don't know about that, man. I don't think anybody's... Lo- I mean, I think Arsenal might pay $130 million for Andrea Belotti. They need to make a huge summer signing, um, especially if they're going to bring in a new coach. But Nestorovsky, man? Ain't nobody paying 130 for Belotti. Yeah, on one season, that's, that's an aggressive number. Well, I mean... We have to count it out, guys. He's the Capo Cannonetti right now uh, with, uh, uh, what does he have, 21 goals? 22. Yeah, 22 goals. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Other big news, uh, Palermo getting some new owners. We said it was us, uh, but we might as well announce who our our real president is. Uh, This name came out, this guy's. It's Paul Baccalini. He's the new president for Palermo. He's an American-born, so he's part of that uh, British-American ownership group. Um, so that's got to be a positive for the Palermo fans, right? And certainly for Curve America and oh. all the Serie A fans yeah, out there. I hope, I hope he really enjoys uh, owning a team in Serie B next year. <laughs> hey, guys, also there's breaking news right now. Zamperini just fired him. So, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I, that's We'll have to, That what is that, 15th in uh, 10 years? <laughs> no, but he's out, and uh, hopefully uh, this new ownership group does big things. So, um Exciting times for Palermo. Hopefully, they can get out and uh, of the danger zone and replace uh, uh, have Empoli replace them. Oh, we got some more breaking news here. Zamperini also just threatened to eat his testicles. <laughs> well, he's still part of uh, Palermo, it seems, for a few more days. Up next, guys, in the danger zone, finishing off with Crouton Nation, Crotone and Sassuolo. This one finished with a snoozer, zero zero. That's right, Crotone held. Former Cinderellas of Syria, Sassuolo, 
to zero goals. Crouton Nation rejoices as they get a point in this one. Yeah, guys, there were two teams, one from Crotone and the other from Sesswell, that turned out to play soccer um, that resulted in a 0-0 tie. Um, instead of recapping this game, I would instead like to just you know, read you a short little poem I threw together about Domenico Berardi. And it goes a little something haiku. like this. Haiku? <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't remember the formulation of the haiku, so I, I, I'm going to call this a tadfu. Um, Domenico, you are named after the Lord's Day of Rest. Why do you suck now when you used to be one of the best? I know you were injured, but will you ever be the same? Or did you find a new calling in a life more important than this game? Berardi, I miss your dazzling runs. Doug D- Dean described you as cute. Weaving through defenders, scoring with the left and right boot. Oh, Domenico, please go back to the way they used to play. Not this guy who can't score on Crotone or even convert a PK. Very nice. nice so that's time. that's all I have to say about this game, guys. It's a 0-0 Cesarolo of Crotone game. That was impressive. Yep. So Crotone slowly creeping out of the basement above Piscara. They've got 13 points in 19th place. You know, Marco actually wrote that while in the entire house you decided to sit within two inches of me on the couch with your arm on my arm so that that i got i got a lightning bolt i I got a lightning bolt of birthday inspiration it looks like i rubbed off on you a little bit (laughs) all right we got seth swallow with 13th place with 30 points that'll do it guys for week 27 well done welcome back marco let's go to the goals of the week what are your goals of the week guys all right i'll go first I got to say Belotti second. Um, he scored with such grace. I'm going to have to say Drace Mertens, even though it hurts so bad. Uh, you know, he got slotted in through ball from Mighty Comsey. Perfect load chip. That's how you finish it. I'm going to go with Baca's brace. Keeping Milan alive. Well done this week. How about the other end of the field, guys? The saves of the week. I'm going to throw in a tie here. I'm going to go neither of them being goalies. I'm going to go Medell and Radovanovic. Two goal line clearances. I love Radovanovic in my salad. Pepe Reina for me. Double, kind of a double save, but it was like a deflection off a Perotti shot. Somehow grabbed it from the U9 and then kicks it away as Rudiger comes up for the spoils. And uh, look, just a huge save and he celebrated it that way as well. I'm going to join Marco on his birthday with that. Pepe Reina absolutely saving Napoli's bacon, uh, getting a touch on the ball. It hits the post, and uh, Napoli uh, get their win 2-1. All right, guys, that does it for week 27. Well done in the books. Looking ahead to week 28. But first, we've got some Europa and Champions League action. Marco, what do you got? Well, tomorrow, big game, and tomorrow is Tuesday. Huge game, Napoli versus uh, Real Madrid in Naples. And guys, you know, we're hoping for the best. We talked about it earlier, but I think that Napoli's going to throw the kitchen sink at them. I mean, they have no choice. They're playing the tournament favorite, um, who is also happens to be the best and most expensive team in the world. I'm really pulling for Napoli, uh, even though last weekend I would hope that they, you know, all had their hair burned off in a dumpster fire. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, that definitely pulling for Napoli this week. Uh, um, 
representing Italy out there. So Forza Napoli for tomorrow. I wish all the sisters of the Napoli players to marry ugly men. <laughs> and then Roma plays Lyon uh, on Thursday. Uh, like you know, mentioned it earlier, really need to get back on track here. And a win against Lyon would do it. Yeah, I mean, Roma spired out of control last week. They did play tough teams, but two derbies in one week, man. I mean, that's tough to come back from. Um, apparently, it's the 10th time we we're playing Lyon. To be honest, I don't know a whole lot about Lyon this year. They, they got bounced out of the Champions League. Their, their first uh, round in the, uh, uh, in the Europa League, they absolutely thrashed. Um, they're playing well. I think they're fourth in the French League right now. I'm looking on the AS Roma website from the, the last time we played them, and I'm looking at a Mus- uh, uh, Mancini step over where he absolutely rips a ball with his left foot up or 90. I'm hoping I'm going to see a lot of skulls like that from Roma. All right. Looking forward to that action midweek. Also looking forward to some big games in week 28. We'll talk about those next week. Until that time, ragazzi, we say... Buon compleanno, Marco. Arrivederci. Ciao. Tanti auguri. Ciao.